Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. You can relax and be at peace with God, right? Some of these people are coming out of Jewish religious backgrounds where you don't get peace in religion. Religion doesn't bring peace. Religion always says, I got to do something else then, and then God will accept me. And then God will like me and then I'll be good with God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work harder, give more, do this, do that. All these things, I'm, I'm trying to earn favor with God. And anybody here that's tried to earn favor with God, you're disappointed with yourself all the time because you know you fall short over and over and over again. There is only one way to the Heavenly Father, and that's through His Son, Jesus. In today's message from Pastor Bill, he shares with you that oftentimes the world will say there are many roads to God, but that is not true. There is only one way to God, and that is through the receptivity and belief in Jesus Christ. Pastor Bill explains that no amount of good works or strife can earn you right standing before the Lord. Only Jesus has the power to save. Don't wait till tomorrow to receive salvation. Receive Jesus today. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Romans chapter 1 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. My challenge, everybody here, think of somebody. They probably come right to your mind. That person, that person, that one right there, that one. Do something good for them that they don't deserve. Just blow their mind. Just, just do something great for them. And do it, just do it, do it quietly. Just be gracious. And just, just do it because God does it for you over and over and over again. Just do something good for them. Grace. Um, it's a good practice for us as believers. Because it's bad to be a good recipient and a poor giver of anything. If you can receive grace but can't give it, that's bad. If you can receive forgiveness but can't give forgiveness, that's bad. And if you can receive help but can't give help, if you can only take but you can't give, it's always a bad. That's, that's, that, this, that means that you're a damn and things aren't flowing through you, but it's stuck with you. God wants us to be like riving, rivers of living water where the things that flow in also can flow out. I receive grace, so I give it. I receive forgiveness, so I give it. I receive whatever God's given, so I can give it back. I can give it to other people too. But God doesn't want any of us to be a dam where I get it and it just stays right here till it dies. Um, God wants it to flow right on out to other people. So once again, verse five, he says, through him we have received grace and apostleship. Again, Paul's apostleship, his being sent out he said, this is the purpose of my apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. I read that over and over and over again. And I just I, I look at what happens in churches today and why guys become apostles and how it becomes so much about the guy, the man. They have whole apostleship ceremonies where the guys is, 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 is like treated like like royalty and they march in and all these different things. And I'm looking at a real apostle here. And Paul said, you know, the purpose of my apostleship, um, God received grace and the apostleship for this purpose, for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. The reason God made me an apostle, sent me out a called out one. And so that other people would be obedient to the gospel, that the message of the gospel would go out, that people could be saved, that their lives would be transformed. The goal of his apostleship was not him being something great. It was that God's work would, would go on and per, would go further. And so we all want to be careful how we hold our gifts and our abilities, because in the world in which we live, we see people that hold their gifts, their callings and their abilities in ways that glorifies them. And in scripture, we see that the goal of the gifts, the goal of the, 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 the callings is to glorify God, is to further God's work. 
And so because we all have gifts and callings and some of us have offices that we're standing in for the glory of God, we need to make sure that we hold those offices and we use those gifts and we use our calling and our position and whatever God's given you, that the goal of what God gave me, that you say, I want to use it for the glory of God. It's not about me. I want to, I want to, it's, I, it's, I received it. I didn't earn it. I didn't buy it. I could, God gave it to me. He gifted it to me. He graced it to me. Now I want to use it for his glory and for his purpose. That's the greatest use of God's gifts upon our lives. When we come to the place where we realize it's not about us, that I'm not a big deal. We're not big deals, but Jesus is still the big deal. That's when your gift is having its, 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 having its best function. When it's not about you, but when it just flows and it's about him and his work going forth. Now look at verse seven. The letter, this is who it's written to. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God and called to be saints. This letter is written to all the people in Rome. And we're going to see later on that Paul hadn't made it to Rome yet, but there were believers in Rome. And we believe that Christians from other areas had, had gone to this area of Rome. They were there. They were in a rough place. Uh, they were persecuted in Rome. Rome was a, not a godly area. Christians weren't supported or welcomed in Rome. And so Paul is saying, I'm, I'm writing to all the saints, all those in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. And I, I don't want to brush over beloved of God. Paul says, all you people in Rome that love the Lord, you're beloved of God, too. All those beloved of God. And I, I, I was thinking of this, thinking of this as far as Inglewood, our city, where God's called us. The way just the language that's used in Scripture, he says, all those Beloved of God, called to be saints. And when I looked at the idea of what it is to be, what is it, what is it to be beloved of God? It's, we know God loves us, but the idea of being beloved is, is God's, God's turning his love in your direction and saying, you're beloved of God to, to all those over there. That my love is toward you. I, I, have a, I have a love for you. I have a concern for you. And love in scripture is always active. Love is never dormant. Love's not an emotion. God's love is always active. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God says, look, to all those that are beloved of God, God loves the people in Rome. He loves you guys. Has a, he has a plan for you guys. And I'm, I'm, Paul's blessed to be the one to get to share it with them. But they're beloved of God. I think if we get that in our hearts and our minds, the church, church, church will just be a much more loving atmosphere because even if you're difficult for me to love, I can look at you and say, but you beloved of God, but you beloved of God. You know, like you might be difficult. Everybody. I mean, we it was just too many kind of different people here. Right. Some of you guys are real talkative. Some of you guys are real quiet. Some of you guys are real stoic. Some people here real emotional, um, all kind of different personalities. And then God said here all together, y'all family, family. I'm your dad. Y'all family, I mean, your sisters and your brothers and the Lord love each other. It's hard sometimes. We clash, we bump heads, we're not all the same. But if I could recognize that you're beloved of God, you can recognize I'm beloved of God, it just changes things, you know? Yeah, you might be a little different, but you're beloved of God. God loves you. And so that, that's got to impact how I treat you. Anybody here got friends that you love? And I know this for me, family members, friends or whatever. There might be kids I might see at the mall and I'd be like, that's a bad kid. That kid, that, that terrible. The way that kid behaving right there, that's, that's all. That kid's off the wall. But when it's in your family, let it be your sister or your brother or your, 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 let it be one of your nephews and nieces. It's just kind of a little different. They stay the same bad kid. Some of y'all, it's your own kid. You're looking at him and it's like, that's, that's your son, your daughter. They bad. But you're like, oh, I love him. He's so cute, though. I'm not cute. <laughs> like, but that's, you just, he's beloved of you. And you just, you just see that you just, love covers a multitude of sins and it just changes the way, it doesn't change them, it changes the way you look at them and deal with them. 
because they're beloved of, of, of you. So when God looks at us and says, man, you guys are beloved of God, his love is overlooking a multitude of sins. And it, it, if we adopt that, it'll help us. Uh, it'll help the church to be more of an atmosphere that, that, again, represents Christ's heart when we love each other. When we love each other, particularly when it's difficult and when there are differences. So beloved of God. All right. Verse 7. To all, the, all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Um, most of your Bibles, the words to be are in italics. It, it made it, the, the original. If you take the, the original language, it's called saints. The, the translators added called to be. And so rather it's those that are already saints or those that will be saints. I won't make a big deal about that. But all those in Rome that are beloved of God called saints or called to be saints. Ver, the second part of verse seven. Grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And in all Paul's letters, you get this greeting, grace and peace. You never get peace before grace. It's always grace, then peace. And this is why. Where I talked about grace, God's unmerited favor, God just just doing and loving you, be, 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 not, not because you deserve it or earn it, God's unmerited favor. When you understand God's grace and you've been a recipient of God's grace, you can relax and be at peace with God, right? Some of these people are coming out of Jewish religious backgrounds where you don't get peace in religion. Religion doesn't bring peace. Religion always says, I got to do something else then, and then God will accept me and then God will like me and then I'll be good with God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work harder, give more, do this, do that. All these things I'm, I'm trying to earn favor with God. And anybody here that's tried to earn favor with God, you're disappointed with yourself all the time because you know you fall short over and over and over again. And you might do a really good day and be like, yes, I did good today. God likes me today. And then tomorrow you don't do good. Now, now, now he mad at you. But when you understand grace, when God says, I'm just giving you what you don't deserve, then you can have peace. Because I've received grace and I understand grace, now I can have peace with God. Grace lets me walk in his peace. Um, and so first he says, you know, grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And now verse eight, Paul begins his, his letters. And that was all kind of greeting and introduction. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. So Paul recognizes that you guys, I'm, I'm hearing about you guys everywhere. Your faith is spoken about throughout the world. Everywhere I go, I'm hearing about the believers in Rome. And so he's letting them know that I thank God for you guys. I thank God that I'm hearing great things about what he's doing in your midst all over the world. Verse nine, for God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. And Paul says, he didn't just tell him I pray for you guys all the time. Paul says, look, God is witness. God is witness that I pr I'm praying for you guys nonstop. Um, anybody here have people tell you, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Do you pray for them? Do you remember them in prayer? Sometimes I think we don't realize how powerful our prayers are. And we may forget to pray for people. or We may pray when tragedy strikes and we may not pray consistently. But Paul says, you know, what? As a, as a regular part of my ministry, ever since I heard about you guys, I pray God is witness. I'm not lying. This is the truth. He said, God is witness that I, 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 I serve. God is witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my praise. Whenever I pray, I mention you guys in Rome. And I would encourage us as a church that we would pray more. We, we pray together at times, but really individually that we would pray. We pray for one another, that we pray for things that we see as needs within the church, that we pray for our city, that we pray for our effectiveness. Because Paul is saying, man, I'm hearing about you guys all over the world. And I'm thinking, wow, they're very effective. But then I'm reading that he's praying for them without stop. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's a part of why they're doing so well. 
Maybe there are Christians in your life. Maybe there are people in your family that you really wish were doing better. And you should be praying for them without stopping. Don't stop. Without ceasing. Whenever I pray, I'm going to make sure I pray for them. I told you guys last week that sometimes we only are mindful to pray for those that are messing up. But we also need to pray for those that are doing well. We need to pray for those that it looks like they're doing pretty good. We looked at Philemon and how that Paul was talking about how great he was doing, but I'm still praying for you. Right. Romans, the same thing. You guys, I hear great things all over the world and I'm praying for you nonstop. We many times forget that those that are in service, that are doing well, that they're they're the ones that the targets are aimed at and they need prayer. Uh, I have friends that pastor, you know, much larger churches than me. And this is what I find across the board. Seems like the larger the influence of the man, the, the, the bigger the target on his back and the harsher the warfare that they come up against. And and talking to, you know, my pastor where I came from, other guys and just hearing the kind of attacks and where it comes from. And it's like, man, that's 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 heart wrenching. You know, just to think that I mean, I'm, I'm blown away that people in churches do things that have been done to some of these guys. But I realize that it's the enemy. The enemy's wanting to stop them. And so we need to pray for those that are effective. Those that are men, they're doing really good. Then you better pray for them um, because Satan goes after them and he attacks them. Like I mentioned before, Satan's not really worried about people that are that are messing off. He got them already. He's not really worried about those that ain't doing nothing. They ain't doing nothing already. You know, I told you guys, if, 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 if you know, you look at a sports team, you ain't worried about the guys on the bench. They don't come up with they don't come up with a defense plan to stop the guys on the bench. They come up with a defense plan for the starting players. That's who we need to stop. We need to figure out how to stop Curry. We need to figure out how to stop, you know, a Kobe or one of them guys. They come up with plans. You guys remember when Shaq and Kobe was killing everybody and they just what can we do? Kobe just dribbled down and handed to Shaq and Shaq is like Goliath and just bashing everybody like we got to figure out something they said well the dude can't shoot free throws and they came up with the hacker shack <laughs> I mean coaches sat down strategized I mean they put pen to pad and said well, we got to stop them they're killing us and so just they, they had guys off the bench the guy the, your job on this team is to get down there hug him get your five fouls and go sit back down we'll pay you nicely for it there were guys that that was their job during that era of basketball like just stop them and they weren't worried about the bench. They were worried about stopping him. He was the most effective combo at that time. And so people were coming up with strategy. Well, Satan is a strategist. He's got demons at his disposal. And so Satan is looking at those that are very effective. He's like, okay, we got to stop them. What's their weakness? Uh, what was Shaq's weakness? Can't shoot free throws. And they exploited his weakness. Well, as we're effective in service and walking in ministry, Satan's going to hit you where you're weak. And so... We need to know where we're weak. We need to be accountable where we're weak. We want to be getting strengthened where we're weak. And so, because that's where you're going to get hit, where you're weak. So everybody can consider, man, where am I weak at? Some people lie about it. You know, I'm, I'm strong. You got to get tore up, you know? You need to be honest about it. You need to know where your weaknesses are and be honest about them, be accountable for them so that you don't get knocked out in your area of weakness. Um, so moving on. Again, Paul's, I'm, I'm, I'm making mention of you guys always in my prayers. And verse 10, making requests, if by some means now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. And I underline that phrase, I may find a way in the will of God. Paul said, I really, really, really want to come to you guys. But I want you to notice how he prays because it's a good example for us. He's, I'm, 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 I really want to come and I'm making requests. But if by some means now at last or finally I can find a way in the will of God to come to you. 
we I think we know most of us know that prayer is not our getting God to do what we want. You know, the goal of prayer is not to get God to give us what we want. The goal of prayer is that we get aligned with the Lord. So some people pray wrong. Some people, their churches right now that will tell you, um, you got to just you got to just tell you got to just confess it. You got to just proclaim it, declare it, decree it. I'm telling you, that's all bogus. Paul ain't declaring. Paul, Paul didn't say, I declare that I'm going to Rome. Did he do that? Did he confess? I'm going to Rome. He said, no, I'm, 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 I'm praying. Look, you hear how humble he sounds. I'm, this is Paul, the apostle. You really don't get no bigger. And he's saying, I'm looking for a way in the will of God to come to Rome. And when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, we're, look, we're, God, that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The goal of prayer is getting God's will done. So you be careful about who you watching on TV and these ministers got you praying wrong. You better not tell God what to do. Like he's like you directing God. Think about that. Any of you guys, kids come to you and say, mom, get in there and make me something. I declare. Think about that. Your kids can't talk to you like that. How are you going to talk to your heavenly father like that? How much sense does that make? How dumb is that? I get mad about that. Because then people start doing it. And they start telling God, and I'm like, you better ask. He's God. He's holy. He's powerful. He created the heavens and the earth. He made you. You can't tell him. You don't know everything. He knows everything. So when you come, you better come humbly. God, I, based on what I can see, this seems like it would be really good. But if, it's, if, you know, if you see something more than what I see, God, your will be done. Would you just guide me? Lord, I really would like this to happen. I'd love for this job to come through. I'd love for this door to open. Lord, it's my desire this. And I'm yielding my desire to your will. Lord, just whatever your will. If you see something I don't see because you see everything, then Lord, your will be done. That's what you do. That's how you pray. Paul said, I really, really want to go to Rome, but I'm only looking for a way in the will of God. I don't want to go if it's not in the will of God. That's how we want to live our life. I don't. I want this really bad if it's God's will. You might be single and you might have met somebody. And it might seem like, it's, oh, this could be, oh, God, could you just make this your will? Could you just, could it just be your will, Lord? Uh, but hey, you only want it if it's in the will of God, right? So you don't pray, you don't declare, you don't say, God, I claim her. <laughs> I, I love y'all. You know, don't claim them. Don't claim them. Don't declare them. Just God, no, God, because I, from what I see, they look, they look pretty awesome. But from what you see, if you don't say the same, could you just give her brother a heads up? Uh, would you let me know? But if you say the same, I'm, I'm, you know, I'd really like to move forward with this. But you pray like that. God only want what you want. Um, Paul gives us a great example here of prayer. God, if I can find a way in the will of God, my desire, I really want to go. But if it's your will, right? The Bible tells us when you pray, let your requests be made known to God. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, right? Tell God what you want. It's okay. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't be in a rush. Let your request be made known to God, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And, you know, with prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, let your request be made known. And it says, in the peace of God, which passes understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds, your intellect and your emotions through Christ Jesus. So if you're emotionally led, God says, don't be anxious. Don't, don't make a decision today. Pray. I'll guard your emotions. I got you. If you're an intellect, you'd be overanalyzing and coming up with 50 different ways to do one thing. God says, I got you too. As you pray, I'm going to guard your intellect. I'm going to protect you. And I'll give you a piece about what my will is for you if you pray. That's, that's at our disposal as believers. We could ask God and God said, I'll, I'll override your weaknesses. I'll override your emotional weaknesses. I'll override your intellectual overthinking weaknesses because you took time out to pray. And I'll let you, I'll give you a piece about what my will is. And God will also 
allow there to not be a peace about things that are not of him. And so there are things as you pray, you just relax. I, I, I'm OK with this. I got peace about it. There are other times you pray and God's like, I, I prayed about some things. And God said, that's OK. It's good. It's all right. Relax. And there are other things I prayed about. And God was like, no, no, it's not OK. Bad. Don't do it. It's a no. And if I don't have peace, I'm, it's, it's a no. Everybody might not like it. And people's feelings might get hurt. And but it's OK. I got peace with God. That's the most important piece of all. Amen. So moving on. Paul says, if I can find a way in the will of God to come to you guys, I really want to come. Verse 11. For I long to see you that, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. That is that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith of both you and me. And something real cool here. Paul says, I'm looking forward to coming to you guys. And Paul recognizes there's a supernatural exchange when believers come together. Paul says, I want to impart some things to you guys, some spiritual gift to you guys. But I'm also looking forward to being encouraged together by our mutual faith. This is why it's so important that the church comes together. Some people try to do this isolated. You know, I just do church on my own. You know, I, I got my own personal relationship with the Lord. I'm going to just me at home, me and my, my family will open the Bible at home. You guys know that this is supposed to happen. That you're supposed to have your private thing at home, but you're supposed to gather together with other believers. Because when we gather together like this, there's supernatural exchange. There are going to be days where you come in and you don't even prepare for it or know that it's going to happen. But you come and someone's talking to you and you're talking to them and God gives you something for them. Or you're just being there to love on somebody on a particular time is ministering to them. And there'll be other days where you come in and it's coming the other way, coming back at you. God's ministering to you through the body. I've had times where I remember one particular Thursday where it was a particularly rough day. There was warfare. I was beat down and it was a Thursday night church service. And, you know, I don't get the call out. I don't get to say, you know what, today I'm just going to go to bed. You know, it's like I'm going to be there. And I remember getting there and it was just rough. It was I was battling that particular day. And I got there and then the worship team came and they started practicing songs. And just as they started practicing the songs, the Lord, he met me through practice. Just just one of the songs, some of the words. Usually when I hear music, I start singing along and them singing a song made me sing a few words of the same song. And God was like, that's it right there. Just just snap me out of everything I was dealing with. And I was ministered to. I'm saying afterwards, fellowshipping with some of the guys and just ministered to. And so when we come together, it's so important that we spend time, that we hang out with believers because it's an exchange. We give, we receive. It goes back and forth. We don't go just to give. We don't just go to get. There's a supernatural exchange when the body of Christ comes together. So Paul says, hey, I'm looking forward to come that I may impart to you guys some gift that you might be established. But I'm also looking forward to the mutual, our mutual faith. I'm looking forward to coming together with you guys. Um, but I'm going to be encouraged, too, by our mutual faith. It will encourage one another. Verse 13. Now, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now that I might have some fruit among you, just as among um, among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. Paul says, I want you guys to know that I, I've, I've tried to come multiple times, but I kept being hindered. And we know from other places in Scripture that there are times when the enemy can hinder. If you're writing notes, write down 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18. I'm going to read it to you real quick. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18. Paul writing here, 
1 Thessalonians 2.18, Paul said, Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. Paul says, I was trying, when he's talking to the Thessalonians, I was trying to come to you guys, but Satan himself hindered us. Romans 5, 3-5 says, We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Paul knew suffering, and he had faced false accusations, been beaten, left for dead, imprisoned, and hated by his own people. How could a man who has suffered so much rejoice in it? He answers that question through the love of God and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Next time you're facing suffering, jump into the book of Romans, dig into the life of Paul, and remember the purpose of the suffering to produce endurance, character, and hope. We're so glad you joined us today on A Transforming Word, where Pastor Bill Buffington has been working his way through the rich book of Romans. A Transforming Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're in the area, we love to see you in person. We have two services on Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. and one service midweek. That one is held Wednesday evenings at 7. If you're not in the area, we live stream our services on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also find us online at calvaryinglewood.org. Under the media tab, you'll find links to our messages as well as our mobile app. We're out of time for today. Thanks for deciding to spend your time with us today. We'll see you again next time with more from Romans on a Transforming Word.